0: Welcome to Power Players in Business and Life with Adrian Richardson, the show where brilliant leaders in business share powerful insider secrets and strategies to succeeding in life and business. Now, here's your host, Adrian.
1: Hey everyone, I'm your host, Adrienne Richardson, founder of PowerPlay Media and the Power Players in Business and Life podcast, where I get the honor of interviewing fascinating, big-hearted people who have brilliant minds. At PowerPlay Media, my team and I create and implement strategic marketing plans for businesses that want to scale their companies to seven or eight figures using Facebook and Instagram ads. We offer a premium done-for-you service, as well as a top-notch mastermind for owners who want to master Facebook ads and digital marketing for themselves. For more information about our services, visit wearepowerplay.com today. And now, let me tell you about today's guest. Monica Shaw is a seven-figure business coach who helps entrepreneurs build businesses that support their ideal lifestyle. After receiving her MBA from the Kellogg School of Management and working in marketing for L'Oreal, Monica left corporate to start her first company and then her second company, Revenue Breakthrough. Today, she takes her clients step-by-step through building, growing, and expanding their businesses. She combines her business acumen with her intuition and healing abilities to help her clients get unstuck, eliminate self-sabotage, and move through fear. She's also the author of Getting Rich, You're Doing It Backwards, and Pause, 52 Questions That Lead to More Money and Time. Welcome, Monica. It's so great to have you here with us today.
0: I'm so excited to be here.
1: Now, you probably don't know this, but I first heard you speak at a conference in New Jersey about six years ago, and that's how I discovered you and the work that you do. I was just starting my marketing agency at the time, so it's really cool to have you on the show after all these years.
0: <laughs> cool, that's <so laughs> great. Yeah, that it's funny because I remember that speaking event, and you know, I was uh, starting—well, not starting, but definitely like in the beginning stages of things then
1: too. Yeah, so funny to come full circle like that. So as I just shared with our audience, you're a power player when it comes to helping entrepreneurs grow and expand their business. And I'd love for you to just share more of your story on how you got started for our listeners who aren't familiar with your background.
0: Sure. Um I <laughs> my starting was a, was not easy. <laughs> um, I so what I do now is I focus on helping women entrepreneurs make money and you know really uh, that money piece is such a taboo for so many people. And it's, it's, that, it's the kind of thing where we get into entrepreneurship and we tell ourselves, I don't really need to make the money, or it's not that important, or I'm in this for a bigger reason. And we make all kinds of excuses around it. And then it, and then it becomes this sort of like noose around our neck. And I know that was how it worked for me. I jumped into my starting my very first company I had an MBA from the Kellogg School of Management and I had worked at L'Oreal and gotten um, and was a brand manager there so I, I thought that I knew what I was doing I thought that I was hot shit <laughs> and yeah. I um, literally jumped out of L'Oreal within 12 months started my company and within 12 months I was $25,000 in debt mm-hmm. and it wasn't because I was spending it on things like shoes and trips. It was, you know, I was spending it on getting the business started and it wasn't even so much the debt that was upsetting me as much as the fact that I couldn't I couldn't figure out how to pay it off. Yeah. And, right. um, and it was melting and I just, I couldn't see a way to make a dent in it. And I, um, so I ended up doing things that, you know, I thought would help to pay for things. I did focus groups. I, I cat-sitted, I walked dogs, I sold things on eBay. I, and one of the things I did was rent my apartment out on Airbnb. And mm. I, um, it was back when Airbnb was just starting. And uh, there was a particular week where I had rented my apartment out for seven days in a row. And I was getting on the subway to come home. And I had, and I, got off the subway. It was the 63rd stop, uh, street stop at the BDFQ. I had two bags on one arm and two bags on another arm and a bag across my chest and a roller bag that I was carrying. And (laughs) I uh, was like climbing up the New York steps, you know, the steps of the subway. um, And the New Yorkers were rushing by me and knocking the bags off being, you know, the nice people that they are um, mm. and wondering why I was taking up so much space. And then I <laughs> went the to the stairs and I looked to the left and the escalator was broken. And I looked to the right and the elevator was closed off. And I had picked this stop because it had an escalator and an elevator. And I looked in front of me and there were three more flights of stairs to get to street level. Oh, And no. I at that moment, just got really tired. I put down my bags. I took off the bag across my chest and I put down the roller bag. And then I did the unthinkable. I sat down on the New York subway floor. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And there I was like sitting, you know, in the pile of my bags and there's tears rolling down my face and people are trying not to stare at me, but they are. And in that moment, I just got really clear that I didn't want to do this anymore. Yeah. I didn't want to like be heaving around bags, uh, you know, all over New York City. I didn't want to do it. You know, I was telling my friends and family that everything was going great when it wasn't. I had a constant chronic money worry that someday things just weren't going to work out. And I I just decided that I, that I... I didn't want to live this way. I was working crazy hours doing things clearly that weren't generating money. And Mm -hmm. I uh, finally got to a point where I decided I would give myself 12 months to figure it out. And Mm. if I didn't figure it out, I was going to go back and get a job. I didn't want to go back and get a job because I I really loved the freedom of being an entrepreneur. I just realized that it wasn't paying the bills. And uh, what I... What's so funny is that I meet people every day who are in this situation, and it's a lot more private than we talk about. You know, yeah. because when you go to networking events, everyone looks fine. Everyone, you mm-hmm. know, looks happy, but you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes, and it's happening at every level. Like, even at, my, at the high-level masterminds that I'm at, people pull me aside all the time, and they say, you know, we just pulled in a million dollars from our launch, but we didn't keep any of it, right? I mean, yeah. it's just... Yeah it's really messy what's going on in people's financial world, even if they are making money <laughs> yes. um, and, um, and how scary and secretive it is and how you end up just seeing people get jobs or go out of business, or you end up seeing huge credit cards get being racked up because people are so, they just don't know how to deal with this situation. And I know for me, I, I did everything I could. I I decided at that moment, right, that I, was, that I had 12 months to figure it out. And I hired business coaches and marketing coaches. I went back to my friends at business school. I talked to my dad who also sold, who's, who's a very successful entrepreneur and sold his company while I was in college. And I learned a lot, but a lot of what I learned was that everything, first of all, everything that's being, most things that are being taught out there are tactical strategies that actually, mm-hmm. Don't necessarily relate to the whole picture of making money. and mm-hmm. it's very confusing for people to learn um, discrete, you know especially if you're just starting to discrete like to learn all these discrete strategies. And then the second thing I really got is that I and most people, even today, was doing everything backwards. And I was working twice as hard as I needed to be and making half as much money as I could be. Um, yeah. And it was because I just wasn't focusing on the activities that generated money. I wasn't focusing on the things that actually got me to a point of sale. Um, and because of that, um, most of my work was, some, was busy work, you know, was not really mm-hmm leading to a full bank account. And uh, when I finally figured it out, right, I actually created five steps to make money. Um, Mm -hmm. I put it in my book um, and I also teach it every day to thousands of people now. And we grew our company um, and we grew revenue every year um, and we paid off that $25,000 in debt within two years. I put 7,000 in the bank within those two years into savings, which Mm -hmm. was never heard of before. Um, And then we kept growing. We doubled or tripled our revenue every year. 2013, we crossed seven figures, and we've been um, a multiple seven-figure company ever since. Um, We're going on seven years now. Um, And the really thing that makes me happy about all of this is that – I'm now able to help. My mission on the planet is to change the money conversation so mm-hmm. we can actually openly talk about it and generate more of it because more than ever, the, the world needs smart women um, and men. Um, but really, uh, my you know, I really want to be supporting smart women to be generating lots and lots of money so that they can turn around and put that into making this world a better place.
1: Yeah. Well, two things that you mentioned. One, um, in hearing your story, what's really, really clear is even though you said that you were doing a lot of wrong things, or you were creating busy work, um, things like that, you were resourceful. Like, you were finding a way to make money, right? Like, you had all these different things that you were doing to try to bring in revenue. And I think that that is a really, really important skill for people to have in terms of success, is that resourcefulness, right? Because if you have the resourcefulness, it's like you're going to keep working until you figure it out. Um, and so that's a, a really important skill that you had and
0: yeah. have. I think and, that's really important. Yeah. I, I I think the resourcefulness combined with resilience <laughs> is so important, especially during those first, you know, five years of whatever business you're starting. Yeah.
1: And then the other thing that I'd love to expand on, you mentioned briefly, is you were like, hey, I realized that I was doing it backwards, right? And that's also the title of your book. And so tell me more what that means. What are people doing backwards in business that's hurting them?
0: Well, I mean, the first piece is really looking at what what needs to happen to make money. and uh, And so Fundamentally, there's two major aspects of that. One is most of us aren't looking at our money. And, you know, um, main one, namely because we've got stories made up about it. So there's a whole mindset piece around um, I don't have to make money. I'm not good at making money. I'm not good at looking at my numbers. I'm not good at tracking. Um, I'm not good at selling. I'm not good at asking for money. I'm not allowed to ask for money, right? And mm-hmm. I could go on and on, you know, of the number of beliefs we carry around the money piece. And yeah. as long as you're not looking at those beliefs, you're, and you've you, got to clear them. We've got to be become aware of them and then really let go of them. Because if you don't, what ends up happening is you keep procrastinating um and you know it's just it's part the main reason we procrastinate is because we've got you know a major player of fear that's just underneath the surface telling us that we can't do whatever it is that we're trying to do yeah and then, and then the second major piece is actions you know um in order to make more money in business, you have to ask for it. Like the only way to increase money in your bank account is to ask for it. And I watch so many entrepreneurs make their to-do lists and things like reach outs and sales conversations end up being the last thing that they get to.
1: Yeah. Well, I always, you know, tell my clients, it's like you people, they put all their focus on, whether it's like a website or branding or creating this or creating that, like you said, a lot of like certain busy work, but until you have the ability to take someone through a sales process, whatever you're selling and how that process is going to be and generate money, all that other stuff to me doesn't even matter. It's like first steps first is how are we going to generate money in your business? And then from there creating and expanding in all different ways. But if you don't, if you, if you spend all your time building an audience first, and you don't have something to sell them, or you're not good at it, then, then you just created a bunch of followers. But if you create those situations first, where you have a sales process to put people through, and you feel really comfortable with that, then all the other things that you do to, to get pre- you know, uh, featured in magazines, or to do Facebook ads, or to build an audience, or any of those things, all of those things are just going to accentuate what you have, but you've got to have a sales process in place first
0: exactly exactly i i um everything stems from yeah that sales process and then it and and what's underlying that sales process is dealing with the fears you yeah. know around being able to ask for money around being able to have that conversation
1: yeah well and i think if for women especially it's very hard for whatever reason you know we it's there's all kinds of things that we believe around money either that we're not worth you know, the amount charging or that it's not, people don't want to be sold to, or, you know, people, there's all these beliefs that we have. And a lot of them stem from things that we were taught, you know, as children that we heard, you know, it's our stories that were passed down or that someone else um, said to us that we believe. And um, I hear this all the time, but the the thing for me that um, helped me get over that is, most businesses go into, people go into business to solve a problem, right? Like they're either solving a problem or they're fulfilling a desire in someone or something that they want that's going to bring them happiness. And people want their problem solved. They want to find a solution. And so if you look at the fact that what you're selling is serving someone and it's actually solving their problem and bringing them happiness in life or eliminating some kind of stress, then to me, it feels so much more amazing to sell because I look at it as the fact that I'm helping them solve their problem instead of like, oh, I'm just taking their money.
0: Totally. In fact, um, I think that when the, the story I like to tell is that, uh, you know, if let's say I, I last week, for example, I went shopping and I went into the, Department store. It was a department store. I went to the dressing room and I had six pairs of pants on or that I wanted to try on And I tried on the first pair and they didn't work. So I just took them off and put it back on the, on the hanger. And I did that for like the second and the third pair. And then I tried on the fourth pair and I came out of the dressing room and I looked in the mirror. And I asked the woman, I was like, oh, I really like these. What do you think I could wear them with? And she gave me a couple suggestions of different shirts. And she even brought in some shirts for me to try on. And I said, okay, great. But, I, but do you think that they'll actually work with, with shoes? Like how high should I hem them? I don't know about that. So then she gave me some suggestion on shoes. And then I said, well, do you have a different color? Because I don't really like navy. I really want black. And she went and she got me the black pair. And here's what's interesting is that those were all objections. Mm-hmm. So um I made I gave her those were all my objections and she met those objections with suggestions and with ways around them. Now the pants that I did not like the ones that I was a no to I just took them off and put them back on the hanger there weren't any objections. So what's interesting is when you're in a sales conversation and you're solving someone's problem which is so true right they if they come back with objections a lot of people look at that and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not supposed to talk them through this. Or mm-hmm. it means that, that um, they're not interested. Or if they, if they were a yes, then they would be a yes. Like I don't, you know, clearly this is the end of the conversation. But if you use that pants analogy, if the woman had not helped me through, you know, thinking through different ways I could wear the pants, thinking through how I could hem the pants, bringing me a different color, I wouldn't have bought those pants, and I think it's the same thing: is that we have a story that um, we that if we help people through objections, right? Once we've once we've identified that they have a problem and that we can solve the, that problem, then we're doing something wrong. But it's actually the complete opposite. If someone's willing to give you objections, it means they're interested. It means that they're asking you to help them. Figure out how to buy it and what needs to happen in order to buy it.
1: Monica, this is such a brilliant analogy (laughs) for those people listening. I really want you to get what she just said because this is so so good. I mean, think about it. Like, like you just said, when you were there trying on the pants, like there there was things that were just an immediate no, and we can all relate to that situation where it's just you're not even considering it, but. When you were going and asking for suggestions from the lady, you weren't thinking at all of like, oh, she's trying to sell me something, right? Like you were seeking her out to solve your problem and find a way that you could make it work because in the end, you wanted to find something that you could wear and that fixed your problem. Right. And it's such a great analogy that you said when people are having the back and forth conversation with you, it's not mean or pushy or rude. And obviously they can be done in those ways, which is wrong, but- You're helping that person work through figuring out and connecting, how is this going to solve my problem? And that's really all they want in the end is someone to solve their problem. And they're trying to figure out if you are the right one that can do that or not. And that shouldn't, if we think about it in this analogy, it shouldn't scare you away. It shouldn't make you feel like a bad person or like you're pushy because you're helping them work through it you shouldn't shy away because if you had gone to that woman in the store and asked her those questions and she was like, mm, I'm not really sure. Or, uh, I'm kind of busy. Like if she had not responded the way that she did, you would have left the store without your problem being solved. Like without having found something that you could wear. Absolutely. And right. We have to, if she yeah. wasn't
0: confident in, in helping. So, yes. you know, if I had said, you know, I, I don't really, I don't know if, what, what kind of shirts I could wear these with if she was like, yeah, I don't know either, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> and I think that like a lot of business owners in their sales conversations are, you know, metaphorically saying things like that when they say, yeah. you know, I'm not sure I have the money to pay for it. And you're like, you know, um, okay, I got that, right? It's the same thing. You're Yeah, just yeah I don't know how you will either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and it's like no 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 they're just asking you to brainstorm like let's talk about where you might find that money let's talk about the different options let's talk about what you're prioritizing and let's do it in partnership versus me trying to like make this right or wrong or me trying to like quote unquote say the wrong thing the right thing or or avoid the wrong thing for that matter
1: yeah no I, I I've never heard anybody um Describe the process in, in in with an analogy like you just did, and I think that that's going to be a real light bulb moment for a lot of people listening, because it's a situation we've all been in that we all can appreciate what happened, and if we can picture ourselves as that you know woman that was helping you to solve the problem and figure it out, I think that it makes it now feel like you're you're actually war- you're helping them, right? Instead of yeah. selling to them, and which I, I'm completely not against selling to people. Like I said, we go into business to solve a problem for people. But I think that for those that struggle with that, that is a really good way for them to be able to look at it and feel really good when they're helping someone work through
0: how they're going to make this work to
1: solve it's, their problem.
0: Yeah. And I think that there's one, another element of it that I also think is important, which is that here... so. I, I bought the, that pair of pants, but if I hadn't bought the pair of pants, I don't know, the saleswoman wouldn't have like sat down and cried. Um, right. She just would have been like, eh, the pants don't fit her or you know, "She it, it wasn't a match for what she was looking for. She wouldn't for. have taken it personally. And yeah, and I think that's also another really important element is to, because That's the next step is once my clients start helping people work through objections, then they come back to me and they say, Monica, you know, I did, I worked through objections. We were in partnership. It was really awesome. I felt really active. And then they still said no. And I said, okay, right. It's not magical. This isn't about like, um, you're going to convert everyone under the sun. It's about understanding that that wasn't, you did what you needed to do to make that person feel as comfortable as possible, you know, and it wasn't a good fit. And and that, and in the process of, you know, what I will say is if I hadn't bought that pair of pants, I really liked that woman. And so I would totally go back to that store when she was there and Mm -hmm. ask for her to help me go through something else because she took the time and energy to go through that with me the first time. And it's the same thing that people need to remember is, um, you know, they, you know, when they say no, they're not saying no to you. They're saying right. no to the pair of pants that you're selling, yeah. um, and yeah. if you handle the no in a uh, in a relationship oriented way, um, and you do your follow up in whatever way is appropriate for that person, they, you know, in a lot of cases, they may turn to and turn out to be a yes. Yeah.
1: Well, because here's two things that happen. Like you just said, I mean, how many of us have gone into a dressing room and tried on a million things and left with nothing. Right. And we didn't leave there thinking like, Oh, that salesperson, you know, couldn't find me. What like we don't, it's not a personal reflection on them. It's like, Oh, I just couldn't find the right fit or the right thing that I was looking for. And, and like you just said, so it's number one, it's like that had nothing to do with them. They shouldn't take it personally. But number two, The fact that that person served me and had a great attitude, didn't get all mad at me because I didn't buy something, you know, like, even though they spent a lot of time with me, like, exactly. I'm, when I need that problem solved, I'm going to think about that person and go back there. And just the same way as well, that if you handle it really poorly, then you're also, that person's now leaving. And not only did they not get their problem solved from you,
0: they're not going to come back to you and they're going to keep looking for a solution somewhere else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just want to say to those that are listening, because <laughs> I laugh as I say this, because people used to say, if, they, if they're if they not a no now, they may be a yes later to me all the time when I first started. Mm-hmm. And I used to feel like it was so annoying because i'm like well how do i know and they're not going to come back right away and that doesn't mm-hmm. matter because i need money now to pay my rent now and <laughs> uh, and it's so it's somewhat annoying and so i want to say to all of you first i hear it and i get it you know and i want you to know that you know there there are more than enough out there you just need to move on to your next person but i also want to say you know i just spent it Uh, so 2010 to 2020 was a decade for revenue breakthrough for my company. And so someone who's been at this for 10 years now, I can tell you that people do come back Um, and it may not be, you know, sometimes they come back three years later, sometimes they come back five years later, but literally I've experienced all aspects of people coming back, everything from uh, I'm going to go try another coach. Then they try the other coach and it doesn't work as well as I thought. So then they come back to um, people coming back after they've had a great conversation with you. I even just had a woman who had a great conversation with me, wasn't ready for me yet, called her friend. Her friend had a conversation with me and her friend signed up for my highest level program. Yeah. So I just, you know, it. I just want to tell you from the perspective of someone who has been you know, in the, in my particular business for a decade to tell you that it, there is an element of sticking with it. Um, when it comes to these building relationships via sales conversations,
1: how, how much do you, um, you know, people always say like, Oh, the money's in the follow-up. Um, how often do you follow up with people? Like, what is your viewpoint and beliefs about follow-up when it comes to sales?
0: I, I do think that the, so, Hmm. I don't know that I agree fully with the money is in the follow-up. I think the Mm -hmm. money's everywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that phrase, I think, and I don't actually use it because I think it's more, I I think the money's in the sale and the money's in the follow-up, and it really depends on who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. Um, Follow-up is one of those things that first and foremost requires organization and systems. And most people aren't doing their follow-up because they don't have organization and systems around sales. So I fully believe in follow-up, but you can't just, you know, it's it's very easy to say, oh, I'm just going to do more follow-up. But really there's multiple steps required in that. And I think the first one is making sure that, um, you've got a CRM, which is a customer relationship management system. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a long fancy name for a database essentially, or a way that right. you're tracking your sales conversation. So um, like ones that I know that are out right now, but may not be out in like a month. So you're going to have to, um, so look up customer relationship management systems, but ones that I know that are good at this particular moment in time, our pipe drive is one that people really like. And then there's one called less annoying CRM. And hmm. the key is that when you're having a sales conversation with someone, you've got to take notes. On that person date. Yeah. time, and what you said, because you think you're going to remember and then you don't and um, and that's a key piece of following up is um, Is taking the notes and then tasking yourself with. Um, so what I do is I take my notes in my CRM and then I tag each person with you know the the month that I talked to them and also I put in a note always as to what the next step is for that particular person. So Mm. there's multiple categories for that. It could be something where you just don't think this is a good client for you. So there really is no next step. Or it could be that they are good for a particular program or product or service. um, And then you put a follow up task to follow up with that person. Um, And the tasks live in your CRM system. So the thing is, is that professional salespeople, they don't, they literally walk in in the morning and I know quite a few of them that I went to business school with. And I'm, one of my best friends is one. He walks in every day and he looks in his version of his CRM. They use Salesforce because they're a big company. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't question like, what are my five follow-up tasks for today? He just does them because it's his job. He does not ask himself, like, do I want to get on the phone with this person? Do I feel like calling this person? What if this person hangs up on me? Or what if this person ignores my email? Maybe I won't write it. Like, he can't do any of that because he's a professional salesperson. It's his job to do that. What I found is that as business owners, we are also professional salespeople. Like unless you've got a sales team, you know, that's already within your company, you're, you're, you're bringing in all the sales. So follow up, um, has to be an organized system that you're not avoiding. Yes. Um, and that you, that there's a, you know, there's tasks related with each person that you have a call with, that you're always staying organized with your morning tasks of, who you're following up with that day. Um, and I think that's like a mindset piece that's really important to get. Um, and even I literally will fall into the trap, even to this day of I don't feel like it. I don't want to do my follow up. I don't want to do my reach out. I want to write my newsletter. I want to shoot a video. I want to you know, write a handout for a class I'm teaching because all of those are way more fun. Yeah, Um, and they and there's like a fulfillment in getting something done and seeing the product, Uh, whereas there's something about reach outs and follow up where it's like you, you you get no immediate fulfillment for it. So it's very easy for your lizard brain to just be like, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not fun. Yeah. It's not comfortable. So it's one of the reasons I love using CRMs is because mm-hmm. there's daily tasks that pop up for me. Um, and then just to simplify it, if you're really like just starting on a sales system or a sales process, one of the things that I tell my clients is um, make pick a certain date of the month, like the 15th of the month. And every single month, that's your follow-up day.
1: Um, yeah. and so
0: everyone, like if it's March, um, and it's March 15th, you would follow up with everyone you talked to in say December, January, and February. If it's like May 15th, you would follow up with everybody that you spoke with from January through May. Mm -hmm. You've just got like a running follow-up list, um, that you hit at least once a month. That's like a very simplistic way to do it. Now, you know, um, Sale, you know, it, it, you can get really specific with each person and have different dates as you get more advanced and have you have, as you have a system ready to handle that. Yeah. Well, I love
1: the fact, first of all, it just has to be scheduled. Whether you, like you said, you do it once a month or you have a more um, structured system that reminds you, I find that like anything in our businesses, if we don't schedule it or put it, you know, um, on the list of things to do, it just doesn't get done and that should be one of those things that are just non-negotiable, right? Cause it's easy to put it on your calendar and then something comes up and be like, Oh yeah, I, I have something else to do. And so it's one of those things that really should just be blocked out on your calendar. It's non-negotiable and you sit down and do it, whether you feel like it or not, because like you said, it is true. When you own your own business, you are the number one salesperson. Even if you have a sales team, it's still your responsibility as the owner to make sure that your company is generating sales. And so whether people like it or not, you know, when you go into business and they think, well, I'm going into business because I want to be a photographer or, you know, I want to be a graphic designer or something. But in the end, there is no business without sales. And so that is an important skill for people to master and feel really, really good about.
0: Yeah. And I, I will say this. I think it's an important skill to master um i don't th- to feel good about it <laughs> you know i I'm think reaching, i'm Hi. reaching on that one um, and, you know, and it, it's not, I think, like, here's the thing. On a good day when you close a sale, you feel really good about it. Yeah. On a day where you've talked to seven people and no one's buying and it feels like no one has any money in the world at all left and all the money is gone, um, it feels, yeah. it, it doesn't feel great. Um, and, I, and so if you talk to any salesperson who does it professionally, you know, there are days when you're in love with it and you feel like you can do anything. And there are days when you pick up the phone and it hurts um and so i i just think it's really owning that that it's the thing about being an entrepreneur is that there are other aspects of your business that you will love more frequently (laughs) like working with your clients or leading a group or teaching a program or you know creating your product and those things won't be so hard and they won't have such um uh there won't be such like an up and a down to them. Yeah, sales yeah. is one of those things where you know there's definitely ups and downs, and there's definitely streaks, and there's definitely lost streaks. So it's just it's okay wherever you are with it. Uh, you know, I always tell my people, no matter how you feel about it, you got to do it anyway.
1: Yeah, no, I love that reframe on it. I think I was reaching a little bit there and saying <laughs> be happy about it because, yeah. like you said, when things are going great, it's easy to feel happy about it. And I love the fact that you are being very um real and honest with people that like look it doesn't matter how successful you become it doesn't matter how big your business grows there are always going to be those up and down kind of uh feelings about sales because like you said we're human beings. You get on the phone, you talk to seven people and they all said no. And so I think a lot of people make themselves feel wrong or they think, oh, when I get better at sales I won't have these feelings or these issues. And so I really love that you're just being completely honest with people and saying like, look, you're you're still going to have those times even when your business becomes
0: bigger, but you just do it anyways. Yeah. Good stuff. It's true. I mean, yeah, and I especially think it's important to stress that because I think there's way too much out there that's like, well, if you learn this sales process, you're going to have a 99% close rate. You know, if you learn this sales process – you know, um, everyone will say yes, and I just want to say, you know, I've been in this the industry for a long time now, and none of that is true on yeah. any level, on any level. um nobody's closing ninety nine percent of the time, including like the best salespeople in the world. yeah, um, so um, it's just important for everybody to get that, and it takes time to learn it um it you know uh, it so you may need to go through. 10 to 30 sales conversations before you feel really confident that you even know what you're doing. Um, So there is a learning curve as well that everybody has, not everybody, I'd say most people um, have to go through. So really just being patient with yourself through the process and not not giving into the hype that's out there or the voice in your head that is like, oh, if I was really good, then everyone would be saying yes.
1: Yeah, that's so good. I just, I want to thank you so much for everything you shared today from the great pants analogy (laughs) to, you know, an easy follow-up system and, you know, to doing it even when you don't want to and the way you feel about it. I feel like you've shared really, really good stuff with us today that people are going to be able to implement and also be inspired by. And so how can people get in touch with you, learn more from you, work with you,
0: Sure. So um, one of the things that we touched on um, is sort of doing the activities that are going to generate money, but we didn't necessarily have the time in this particular uh, time period to talk about what those activities are specifically. And I call those activities revenue generating activities. So I have uh, uh, an ebook that is a, a free gift where I have put together all of the revenue generating activities in in what I like to call my money making marketing calendar. And it's done for you. I explain the activities, the frequency you should be doing them. um, And I give you your own calendar so you can fill out and track it on your own. There's nine different money making positioning activities in there. um, And I explain all of them. So it's a great way to get a cheat sheet on oh, like if I get that the most important thing I need to be doing is having sales conversations, these are the activities that are all gonna drive to you getting more of those sales conversations. So you can pick that up at revenuebreakthrough.com front slash marketing calendar, revenuebreakthrough.com front slash marketing calendar. So I would, everybody would start there. And then um, another piece is I, we have a really active Facebook group and every Wednesday, I post videos on how to make more money um, and there's thousands of members in there interacting. So if that's another way to just connect with me, ask me questions and you can do that at uh revenue breakthrough.com front slash FB group, which stands for Facebook uh, revenue breakthrough.com front slash FB group. Awesome.
1: This is fantastic. I'll make sure that in the show notes, we put the links to, The marketing calendar and also to Monica's Facebook group. You guys definitely want to join that, get a copy of that and just get into Monica's world and what she's doing. She is a powerhouse when it comes to the revenue breakthrough and growing your business and helping you deal with all the fears and everything around sales that's holding you back. And so Monica, I just want to thank you so much for being on the show today. I know our listeners will be moved and motivated by what you shared with them and you are a power
0: player. Thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Power Players in Business and Life. Be sure to click subscribe. To learn more about Adrian, visit www.wearepowerplay.com. We'll see you next time.